It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for your daily LSU baseball update with Musso at the Box. Presented by New Orleans Flooring. Two locations, Metairie and Prairieville. Or go to nolaflooring.com. Now, Matt Musso. And welcome in to another edition of Musso at the Box. The time has come, the moment you have all been waiting for. LSU this Friday night begins the season within the season. The 30-game grind the Southeastern Conference slate. They will take on the 15th-ranked Texas A&M Aggies in College Station for three games. Game number one set for a 6 p.m. Central Time first pitch. That is on the SEC Network. Games two and three will both be in the afternoon, 2 o'clock on Saturday, 1 o'clock on Sunday. Both of those games viewed on the SEC Network Plus or you can hear them here in Baton Rouge on the LSU Sports Radio Network on Eagle 98.1 FM. This is what the dominance at the pre-conference slate was. We talked a lot about it yesterday. This is what it leads to. One of the main questions, how does it carry over? We talked a little bit about it yesterday. Today on the show, we will talk about specific things we're looking for to carry over. Of course, we'll give you an overview of the Texas A&M Aggies. Of course, we will talk about the matchup, where the advantage lies here, where the advantage lies there. I'm expecting a knockdown dragout series for three games in College Station between these two teams, much like it was last year in Baton Rouge to open up the SEC slate. So we will get into all of that. Again, reminder, this is the last show of the week. That's why we're doing the Texas A&M preview right now. I will be out of town. No show tomorrow. I'm heading to a bachelor party. Don't get ahead of yourself. It is not my own. But I will be doing that, keeping a close eye, a very close watchful eye on this series while doing so. Uh, I have experience doing that, not the first time. Back in 2019, I was on another one, and LSU was facing Ole Miss that weekend. And there was actually a really hilarious picture of me the first night we were out of town trying to watch the game uh, as well as partake in well, really, the game had consumed my entire evening, and I was incredibly stressed out. It was a close Friday night game. Maybe I'll post that picture on Twitter. Uh, I still have it. It's actually quite quite comical. But anyway, it will get done. I will have a close eye on the series regardless, even if I have to watch it on my phone or whatnot. So 
That will absolutely happen, and we will have a full recap for you on Monday. But this is the last show of the week, which is why we're doing the A&M preview, and that's the reason I will be out of town uh, tomorrow, actually leaving uh, later today uh, to head over uh, to uh, Austin, Texas, is where uh, is where I'll be. So, not far from the series, but not at the series either. Enough about that. I need to tell you about New Orleans flooring because they bring you Musso at the box every single day. And every single day, I ask you, what are you waiting for? Are you thinking about redoing the floors in your home, office, workspace? Or are you just a contractor and you need supply? New Orleans Flooring is the place to go. Two locations, Metairie, that's the original. The newest location is just off of Airline Highway in Prairieville. Over 1 million square feet of product in-house. Tell you about it every day. And now through the month of March, tax-free at New Orleans Flooring. Again, what are you waiting for? It's tax-free. They're handling the taxes on you, saving you money in yet another way. So get into one of the two locations. Go see Terrell. Go see Big Sean. They're at the Prairieville spot. Those are our guys. They're going to get you set up. They're going to get you taken care of. It's New Orleans Flooring or NolaFlooring.com. New Orleans Flooring by where the pros buy. Proud sponsor of Musso at the Box all throughout baseball season every single day. All right, LSU and Texas A&M, the number one Tigers, hit the road for SEC play. Let's kind of dive right into the series. Of course, last year, these two teams opened up conference play against one another. It was Texas A&M late Friday night last year in the ninth inning, taking the lead and holding on to win. Late Saturday night in the ninth inning, taking the lead and holding on to win before LSU late in the game on Sunday salvaged game number three to avoid the sweep. So the Aggies got the better of the Tigers last season. Now we turn the page to this season and there's plenty different with LSU. A&M, they kind of come into this series the same way they did last year, which is has me a little bit on eggshells. LSU is the better team. LSU is going to be the favorite here, and I expect LSU to to win. But because of how things went last year, and this team looking very, this team being A and M looking very similar to they to what to how they did last year at this point, it does give a little bit of an little bit of an uneasy feeling um, heading into this series. So. Before we get into pitching matchups and things like that, let's talk about A&M as a whole, broad overview, and how they got to this point. The Aggies come in 13-4 and overall on the season, ranked number 15 in the country, as high as number 11, and they're riding an eight-game winning streak. Most recent victory came on the road at Houston 5-1 to on Wednesday night. Before that eight-game winning streak, they went through their share of, of struggles. They lost three in a row early in the year, dropping a midweek game uh, to Lamar where they lost a lead late, dropping a series to the Portland Pilots where Friday night they lost a lead late again, and then Saturday lost another lead, although it wasn't, um, or, or well, I'm sorry, it wasn't a lead. They were tied in that game. Portland ended up taking the lead and holding on, and then, Sunday, they staved off a sweep with a walk-off victory in the ninth. So it was a tough stretch there for Texas A&M. From there, they went to the Shriners Classic and dropped their opener to Louisville 14-5. And then the eight-game winning streak got kick-started. 
Texas A&M. So what kind of is the reasons maybe for some of their struggles this year, early in the year, and, and whatnot? Well, it, it's offensive, okay? The Aggies aren't on paper a juggernaut offensively. This is just the overview here. We'll get into um, individuals to look out for momentarily. They just aren't a juggernaut offensively early to this point in the season. They come into the weekend against LSU, hitting 279 as a club that is 13th in the Southeastern Conference. They have only hit 16 home runs as a team. That is also at the bottom of the Southeastern Conference. It's just not a group that has been imposing. Now, there's a couple of reasons why. You are replacing, obviously, some really nice pieces from last year's lineup. Like, you are replacing a Troy Clonch, who was very good. You're replacing Dylan Rock, who was very, very good. Kale, uh, excuse me, Cole Kaler, who hit at the top of their order all of last season. You're replacing him. So there is that factor to it. But also you've had to kind of replace midseason already too. It's a very unsettled lineup to this point in the season for Texas A&M. You, you look at a guy like, um, like Brett Minnick. Okay, Brett Minnick is an outfield starter, preseason, second team, all SEC coming into 23. He has played in one game. He got one game, one start. He's been out since then, just got one at bat, left in the opener, has not been back. That has left a hole in the outfield where you've seen a lot of rotation for Texas A&M. You've had freshmen play. Well, Jace Lavulette was going to play anyway. But, uh, you know, Jordan Thompson, yes, they have a Jordan Thompson. He's been in and out of the lineup. Tab Tracy is another guy who's seen time in and out of the lineup in um in the outfield, as well as some others there. So that's been unsettled. And catcher as well. Catcher has kind of been a bit of a revolving door for Texas A&M. You've seen three different guys get time and get starts there. Hank Bard, J.D. Gregson, and Max Coffer have all been the catcher at some point this season for Texas A&M. So it is an unsettled lineup uh, going in, and that's, I think, part of the reason for the struggles. The interesting part, though, is during this eight-game winning streak, they have improved offensively. Now, they the competition just hasn't been up to par, but I don't want to just chalk it up to that, right? That, oh, they're you know putting up 13 runs in, uh, in a game and, 12, and, and run ruling Northern Kentucky. I don't want to do that because... We haven't really done that to LSU, right? LSU hasn't played the toughest non-conference, pre-conference schedule, but they've been so dominant that it's it's still been impressive. Where I push back a little bit on, okay, A&M might just be taking advantage of inferior opposition is when they've faced tougher staffs, it hasn't been great. Like Lamar, we know Lamar is a, a good pitching staff. We broke them down earlier when we previewed their game against LSU. We know they're good. They're a very, very good mid-major staff. A&M scored just four runs in that game and managed uh, just five hits, okay? When you look at Louisville, Louisville's a great program. Louisville's a fantastic team this year. They're right on the cusp of being a top-10 team. Now, granted, A&M had nothing really working for them in that game. Anyway, they lost 14-5, to but they managed five runs in that game on just six hits. You can look at Texas Tech. We know the program Texas Tech is. That's another ranked team this year. A&M beat them, but it took 16 innings, and they scored four runs in that game. They scored two through regulation, and it took 16 innings for them to get 
to four runs. Um, Houston on Wednesday night. Houston is not having a great year, but Houston is traditionally a very good program. Texas A&M scored three runs in the ninth inning to extend that lead to five, five to one. Up until that, through eight innings, they had managed two runs on three hits. So it's been really hit or miss, and the misses have come when they faced what looks to be better, you know, traditionally powerful programs or really good teams this season. That's what ha- that's what's giving me a little bit more pause with their offense. And you look at the pitching staff they're going to face from LSU. It seems like it's going to be a, a bit of an of an uphill battle for Texas A&M's offense. Now that being said, they definitely have guys that we need to look out for. We'll get to that in a minute. I want to finish the kind of broad overview. So They've struggled offensively to start the year, although in the win streak, they've picked it up. But again, competition, things of that nature. Pitching-wise, Texas A&M has been fantastic. And that really should not come as a surprise. They were great last year. They're going to be very, very, very good on the mound as long as this coaching staff is present. Jim Sloshnagel as your head coach. He started his career as a pitching coach. He was a pitcher in college. That's his background. Nate Yeske is one of the best pitching coaches in college baseball. Nolan Kane, their other assistant, we're all very familiar with Nolan Kane. He was a great pitcher on a national championship team here at LSU. With those three guys, they're going to excel on the mound in Texas A&M for the most part they have. Overall, they come in with a team ERA of 3.35 into this series. The opponent is hitting just 227 off of A&M, and like they seem to do every single year, they have just a embarrassment of riches when it comes to left-handed arms. Seven different left-handed pitchers have thrown innings for Texas A&M this year. Seven different left-handed pitchers have thrown innings for Texas A&M this year. They return their Friday night ace in Nathan Detmer from last season. They've moved Chris Cortez, who was very good out of the bullpen, into that Sunday role. So they have a set rotation as well that they've used through the first four weeks. And I would be very surprised if they don't run it out there again versus LSU this weekend. So it is a very, very deep and very talented staff on the mound. That is where they have excelled more often than not this season. And that's where they've been able to get out of trouble because of the offense. Just in that stretch that we talked about briefly earlier with uh, the loss to Lamar and uh, the couple losses to Portland, that's when they really struggled kind of closing out games. They have not struggled since then. And there have been some close ones. We mentioned the 16-inning affair against Texas Tech. The bullpen held steady throughout that entire ordeal. Like, that, I'm I'm skeptical about their offense. I'm willing to consider the... uh, the blown leads by the pitching staff, a bit of a one-off. So you don't really want to face this group late in the game with a lead either. It has been a, a committee effort there closing out games uh, for Texas A&M, although they do have certain guys that they lean on. So uh, you look at them from a fielding perspective, not the best, not terrible. They're fielding 976. Uh, that took a hit because on Wednesday night against Houston, they committed three errors. Before that, they were in the 980 range. So it's a good fielding team. Uh, are are the Texas A&M Aggies. 
that's kind of your overview. Let's talk about some individuals. Let's start. Um, let's start in the lineup. Again, mentioned it's unsettled, so there are holes in this lineup, but there are also very familiar names in this lineup, like an Austin Boast. Austin Boast comes in on a 10-game hitting streak for Texas A&M. He's the RBI leader on the team and tied for the lead in home runs with three, 24 runs batted in for Austin Boast to go along with a 323 average. You'll absolutely see him on the infield. Jack Moss is one of the names you'll definitely remember. That's a preseason all-SEC first-team guy, also an All-American as well by a couple publications. Same can be said for Austin Boast, got preseason All-America from a couple publications. But Jack Moss, all the accolades, and he's been pretty good. He hadn't found the fence yet this year. Maybe the RBI total lacks a little bit. He's been hitting a little higher in the order as well. A lot of time spent in the two-hole for Jack Moss this season, but the average is steady at 308. Hunter Haas is their leading hitter. He's a transfer from Arizona State in his first year in College Station. He's hitting 371. You've seen a lot of him, and I mean a lot of him, in the leadoff spot this year. And he's also a pretty solid glove over there at uh, at shortstop. Another name to really t- uh, keep an eye on is uh, freshman Caden Kent. Uh, he's hitting, having a nice start to his career at 286 early on. Has also driven in uh, 17, which is second on the team. And then uh, Jace LaVulette, who was a one-time, at one time an LSU uh, commitment, is over in College Station for his true freshman year. You can't miss him. Kid's massive. Uh, he plays uh, he plays the outfield. But for A&M as a whole, in that everyday lineup, really right now, you're going to have somewhere around four, 300 hitters. So there are there is... There is a break, if you want to call it that, in, in the Aggie lineup. And, again, I think it's just because it's it's very unsettled to this point in um, in the season. Uh, guys, to keep an eye on the pitching staff. So we talked a lot about the lefties. You'll see one of them in the starting rotation. We'll get to that when we go pitching matchups here momentarily. But for the bullpen, one guy LSU is probably going to dodge, and it's a big break, is freshman lefty Justin Lampkin. So... Justin Lampkin, they've tried to kind of transition him into a midweek starter, and he started against Rice last week and did not pitch on the weekend after throwing five innings. He got the start against Houston on Tuesday night again, went four innings, but he threw 76 pitches in that game. I think LSU dodges that guy. If you don't, it's late on Sunday that you see him. But that's a big, big dodged bullet for LSU because he has a 1.3, excuse me, a 1.13 ERA and has been awesome for them from the left side. The opponent's hitting just 153, but you shouldn't have to really worry about him. A lefty that you will see out of the bullpen that you do have to worry about is junior college transfer Evan Oshenbeck. He has been phenomenal for the Aggies out of the bullpen from the left side. Uh, Four appearances out of the pen, 13 innings pitched. He has walked just three and struck out 17. The opponent is hitting just 196 off of Oshenbeck, and the ERA is at 2.08. The the standout performance was in that game against Texas Tech where he was perfect for four and two-thirds innings of relief and struck out eight. It's a filthy, filthy lefty slider. That will is really tough on lefties, but it's tough on righties too. 
Uh, he's he's absolutely a a major weapon for Texas A&M out of the pen, and you will see him, and you will see him uh, pretty early and, and pretty often, I would think, if you're the Tigers. At the back end of the bullpen, there's another lefty. It's a name that should be familiar. That's Will Johnston. Will Johnston, hammer of a breaking ball. I mean, a big hook from the left side, but complements it with a 95-mile-per-hour fastball as well. He leads Texas A&M in appearances out of the bullpen with seven 17 strikeouts in just nine innings, and the opponent hitting just 094 off of Will Johnston. Again, more of the late inning relief, back into the bullpen type guy. But this series will not go by without LSU facing Will Johnston. He is AM's best reliever on the season. Another lefty you can count on seeing out of the pen of your LSU is Shane Sadeo, true freshman for the AM, tied for second with appearances out of the pen with six. 14 strikeouts to just one walk so far in 10 innings of work. Uh, the ERA is a 3.60, but that's because hits have been a bit of a problem. He has been in the zone a little too much. 12 hits in those 10 innings. The opponent hits 300 off of Shane Sadeo, but that's a guy you'll see. All three of them are lefties that we just talked about. There's others that aren't. Ty Sexton is a really strong right-handed pitcher for AM out of the bullpen uh, who's made four appearances. Brad Rudis is another strong righty who's made five appearances. He did pitch on Tuesday night, so it might take a few days for you to see him in the series. But uh, they do have righties, but, I mean, their they're three best are lefties out of the bullpen. So that's going to be a very interesting matchup for LSU. And remember, they've had seven lefties log innings for them this season. It's it's just a they, they hoard left-handed pitching at Texas A&M, it feels like, every single year. So those are your individuals to watch on both offense and on the mound, going along with the overview we gave you earlier of the Aggies. Now let's talk about pitching matchups for this weekend and what we're watching and get you a serious prediction and get you on your way into the uh, the first weekend of conference play. It's, it's exciting times. For LSU on a Friday night, you know that will be Paul Skeens. Paul Skeens set to make his fifth appearance and fifth start. He is 4-0 on the season, 24 innings pitched, walked just four, and struck out 48 to lead the country. His ERA is 0.75. The opponent hits just 0.99 off of Paul Skeens. He has been complete and totally dominant for LSU. Texas A&M, they will send Friday night ace Nathan Detmer righty to the mound, making his fifth start and fifth appearance. He is 1-1 one one on the season in 19 innings pitched. He has walked seven and struck out 24, a 2.37 earned run average, and the opponent hits 197 off of Detmer. Big righty, LSU saw him last year. He did have some success in that game against LSU, but he wasn't over, like, he didn't completely dominate. Four and two-thirds, five hits, three earned, and three strikeouts against the Tigers last year. He got a no decision. He's mainly fastball slider. He will mix in a third pitch. The fastball is going to live low 90s, kind of around 92, 93, but he can run it up mid-90s, early in games especially, around 95 miles per hour can Nathan Detmer. Real solid arm. Uh, Again, returns as the Friday night ace for Texas A&M this year. On Saturday, all indications based on how LSU has handled the pitching staff leading up to this week, 
based on how LSU handled the pitching staff in the midweek, you will see Ty Floyd toe the rubber for the Tigers, make his fifth appearance and third start. Ty Floyd is 3-0 and on the season in 16 and two-thirds innings. He sports an ERA of 1.08, five walks, 21 strikeouts. The opponent hits just 094 off of Ty Floyd. For Texas A&M, it's been this way all season long. I see no reason for it to change here. It'll be sophomore lefty Troy Wansing, 6'4", 225 from the left side, making his fifth appearance and fifth start. A record of 2-1 and one on the year, 19 and two-thirds innings pitched for Wansing, an ERA of 2.75. He has walked six and struck out 33, so it's power stuff from the left side. Watched a little bit of tape. The breaking ball is a hammer from Troy Wansing. That's something to definitely keep an eye on there. But 33 Ks and 19 and two-thirds is nothing to sneeze at. The opponent hits 233 off of Troy Wansing. For LSU on Sunday, all indications Thatcher Hurd will make his fifth appearance and fifth start. 2-0 on the year with a 2.04 earned run average and 17 and two-thirds innings pitched. He has walked nine and struck out 25. The opponent hitting 210 off of Thatcher Hurd, who, of course, coming off of a of a week where he was SEC co-pitcher of the week, logged two victories in LSU's five wins, struck out 18, did not allow a run, and only walked three. And that's been the biggest thing for Thatcher Hurd is keeping that walk number in check. It's by far the highest of the LSU starters. It's the highest on the LSU team, as a matter of fact, to this point as well. But the last two outings for him have been very, very encouraging in that aspect. Just two walks in the last, or excuse me, just the three walks in the last two outings. For Texas A&M, it'll be big sophomore righty Chris Cortez on, on, um, on Sunday, making his fifth appearance and fifth start. Bullpen guy last year has moved into the rotation, 1-0 on the year with an ERA of 5.60, 17 and two-thirds innings pitched. He has walked 12, struck out 17. The opponent hits 232 off of Chris Cortez. The issue for him, you heard it there, it's been the walks. 12 walks in 17 and two-thirds innings. That's a lot. It is power stuff, though. Fastball up to 98. Like, it gives me pause because the stuff is flashed so plus that it feels like there could just be any given time that guy can go out there and shove and have a great outing and that that maybe don't reflect the numbers that he's had. So definitely keep an, an eye on him. Again, fastball up to 98. LSU did see him last season as well, but both times were out of the pin. He ended up totaling um, uh, two shutout innings against LSU over the weekend last season in, in two different appearances. Got a victory in the Friday night game. So somebody LSU has seen before as well is uh, is Chris Cortez. This time they'll see him in a starting role. And uh, the stuff has been great. The command has been iffy. And for me, that gives LSU a nice advantage on uh, on Sunday. We'll get to what to watch for and a serious prediction here momentarily. One more time, though, I want to remind you about New Orleans flooring nolaflooring.com, two locations, Metairie, and then the newest just off of Airline Highway in Prairieville. Tell you every day about them finding ways to save you money. A military slash first responder discount of 10%, 
Of course, free home, free in-home estimates from New Orleans Flooring. They even have financing options available. 12 months, same as cash and select merchandise. And then there's the over 1 million square feet of product in-house, cutting out the middleman. You don't have to wait three, four weeks, go through a third party to have your stuff delivered. They can next day install for you over at New Orleans Flooring because they have the product in-house. But they want to expand their warehouse. They want to expand their showrooms. They need to move some of that product. And one of those things, when one way they're helping you out and helping themselves out is giving it to you tax-free. Tax-free in the month of March at New Orleans Flooring. Go see Terrell. Go see Big Sean. NolaFlooring.com. New Orleans Flooring. Buy where the pros buy. All right. Let's finish it up here. What are we watching for this weekend as LSU begins conference play in Texas, in College Station versus the Texas A&M Aggies? Um, so, I think this is going to be a series dominated by pitching. We know how great LSU's unit has been so far early on in the season. We touched on a lot of those numbers on yesterday's podcast when kind of just looking at how dominant the pre-conference slate was for LSU, one of the most dominant ones in, in program history. We've touched plenty on AM's pitching staff today. I honestly could have done an entire episode just on Texas AM's pitching staff. Now, it will be one of the tougher tests for AM for sure. And they've had a few struggles, but for the most part, they've been solid. Another reason I think this is going to be dominated by the pitchers is look at the weather. The weather in College Station this weekend is terrible. Like, the low is in the 30s on Friday night. And it's going to be windy and not conducive to offense for either of these lineups. Now, I think that favors LSU because, as we've talked about plenty throughout this show, A&M's lineup, very unsettled. It's not one that's going to threaten you one through nine like LSU's will. There are a little bit of breaks. But for Paul Skeens, for Ty Floyd, for Thatcher Hurd, those guys have to carry over what they've done, that dominance. And it's not going to be to the same level, and I understand that. And quite honestly, I, I don't expect it to be. But carry over the consistency is maybe a better way to say it. What they've done, especially the last few weeks into this series, and get LSU deep into these ball games on the mound. Because you're going to have to match Texas A&M pitch for pitch. LSU is is going, it's going to take them a little bit, I do believe, to get going against these starters. Another thing, LSU is going to face more left-handed pitching in this weekend than they have all season. And at points, they've been really, really good against lefties. At other points, they've struggled. You look back at the Iowa game, and the lefty they brought in, Jared Simpson, I think was his name, handcuffed LSU the rest of that game. You can look at Tuesday night, and while they eventually broke through on Colton Mercer from UNO, he was able to keep them off balance with a nice curveball and a low 90s fastball, and it took them a while to break through. The cat from Butler, the, the just the junk baller, took LSU a little bit of a while to break through. But there's been others where they've just feasted as well. But you're going to see the best left-handed pitching you have up to this point and the most that you have up to this point in this series. So how Jay Johnson kind of maneuvers the lineup, I think will be very, very interesting with a guy like um, like Braden Jobert, uh, like even maybe a Brady Neal or somebody like that who they, they like to play matchups with a little bit sometimes uh, from the left side. It, it will be intriguing to me to see that. 
So you have to be stellar on the mound. And that's why Tuesday night was maybe a nice game for LSU to have before this where they had to match and hold down a, a good lineup pitch for pitch until they could break through. This weekend could go very, very similar to that game uh, against against UNO. You've seen them win in a lot of different ways. Offensively for LSU, facing all the lefties and whatnot, I, I'm very interested to watch the true freshmen because the three true freshmen are going to be in the lineup. Like, Jared Jones is going to be in the lineup. Paxton Kling is going to be in the lineup. Brady Neal is going to be in the lineup. They've all had great success through pre-conference at different times. Can they carry it over now that they're going to face the best pitching that they have? And there's plenty of tape out there on them. Can they adjust? Can the staff help them adjust as well in-game to what they're going to see from this Aggie pitching staff? That is going to be something I am focused on all weekend is the performance of the true freshmen that are in the lineup getting their first taste of SEC play. Because that's going to be huge. Because those three guys have been just as big a part as LSU being a threat one through nine as anybody. They've actually kind of been the key to that, to LSU being the threat one through nine. Because you've seen Brady Neal at the bottom of the order a good bit. You've seen Paxton Kling at the bottom of the order. Now, of course, he's in the leadoff spot and I expect him to stay there. Jared Jones is down there in the seven hole right now. Those guys are the key to LSU keeping the threat one through nine. So I will have a close, close eye on the three true freshmen in the lineup this weekend. I'm also very curious to see how Texas A&M handles Dylan Cruz and Tommy White back-to-back because you've seen teams walking Dylan Cruz actually to get to Tommy White, and it has not gone well for them. He has parlayed that into the team lead in RP high at 27. So, and tied for the team leading home runs, mind you. It has not gone well for them. I want to see how A&M, now they've got some good arms, as we've talked about. Do they challenge Dylan Cruz a little bit more. How do they handle the top of LSU's lineup, which is just so, so, so deadly um, so far through 17 games? That that will be interesting. It'll definitely be a, a more aggressive approach, I'm expecting, from Texas A&M. So, what do I think happens this weekend? If you're LSU and you win Friday night, I think you win the series. And I like LSU to win Friday night. I do. I think they have the advantage on the mound. Nathan Detmer is very good. He has the experience already of pitching in the SEC. Paul Skeens has been otherworldly up to this point. Paul Skeens is going to be no later than the second college arm taken in the draft. He could be the first. He has been every bit the Friday night ace, and I like LSU's chances against anybody they play this year when they have Paul Skeens going for them on the mound. So I think he can hold down this A&M lineup and get LSU the victory. I think it's a game LSU really needs to win on Friday night as well. Saturday, they can win that game. Ty Floyd, I think he's going to be awesome. I really do. I think Ty Floyd's going to have a very a very good start to SEC play here. I'm not worried about that. I'm more worried about LSU facing the lefty where I think that maybe gives A&M a tad bit of an advantage there. Sunday, the advantage lies with LSU and Thatcher Hurd. It just it just does. Chris Cortez, while I mentioned earlier, he's kind of got the stuff where he could pop off and shove at any moment, and man, it, it'd stink if that happens, but you wouldn't necessarily be surprised. But 
over four starts, it's been really difficult for him uh, finding the strike zone, and the walk number has been has been excessive. Um, so he he will he he will help you out a little bit there early on in the season. Thatcher Hearn's just been so dominant. Can he carry it over? We'll see. Um, but I, I like LSU's chances there as well. I want to see how LSU handles the environment because it's going to be raucous. Bluebell Park is a very, very tough place to play. And you got great experience on the road at Texas. Now can you can you do it uh, here on the road where everybody's going to be wearing maroon and they're rooting against you and very vocally and you're facing a top 15 team. Uh, so that will be something as well. But I like LSU's advantage on Friday. I like LSU's advantage a lot on Saturday. I think they, excuse me, on Sunday with Thatcher Hurd going up against Cortez. I like LSU to at least get two games uh, this weekend against Texas A&M and start the conference slate two and uh, two and one uh, and come home and get ready to face Arkansas. Look, we'll have a full preview for you of it on Monday's show. We're back to a regular week next week, five shows uh, next week. Monday through Friday, and we'll recap AM. We'll get you go through the midweek, get you set for Arkansas coming up next week here on Musso at the Box. Here's to SEC play the season within the season. It is finally here. You've wanted competition, you're going to get competition if you're the LSU Tigers for the next 10 weeks. We'll have you covered with all of it here on Musso at the Box. Thank you for listening, and join me Monday.